and welcome to the Bear Facts on Health. I'm your host, WGN medical reporter, Dina Bear. This is the podcast that aims to help you take care of your body physically and mentally. I'll give you the facts and up-to-date research on cutting-edge medical treatments, technological advancements helping people heal, tips for diagnosing disease with ease, and advice on exercise and healthy eating. With so much noise and misinformation in the digital space, we aim to help you make informed decisions about your health. This week's guest on Bear Facts for Health is all the way from Florida, Chicago's famous alligator catcher, Frank Robb, who snared Chance the Snapper from the Humboldt Park Lagoon. So how does that affect your health? I know you're asking yourself. I know it seems bizarre. But get this, alligators may hold the key to human health. These age-old creatures are immune to bacteria. A drop of gator blood kills HIV on contact, the virus that causes AIDS. Gators rarely get cancer, and their endocrine system is 99.9% the same as ours. So what can their ability to fight infection and disease tell us? It's an important question, but first you have to wrangle them. And that's where Frank Robb comes in. But we wouldn't know his real story had it not been for a chance meeting with WGN medical producer Catherine Zink. She is my partner and right hand here at WGN and is with us now as well. Hello, Frank, Catherine. Hey, happy to be here, guys. Honored to be here with you, Frank. All right, so Frank, you are now renowned. Everyone knows who you are in Chicago. What they don't know is that you have a biomedical degree. Yeah, it's uh, something I got partially way uh, along the journey of catching alligators. Seemed like a good idea. Uh, I wanted to do more research with them and be more hands-on with medical things and know the inner workings of the human body so I could compare that to the crocodilian body and, and learn what I could. And now we at WGN get to tell that story. Catherine, that was really because of you. When you first saw him, obviously you're like, I know who that is. That's Gator Rob. <laughs> it, it really was a seating chart mix-up that brought me to your table. And thank goodness for that because I felt like the stars aligned that night and we were meant to meet so that I could hear about your real life outside of Chicago, which is really, as we were chatting that night at the event, you started talking about your work in Florida, your research. I was blown away. I couldn't believe you had this entire other side to your profession. And I knew right then and there, we're going to Florida, and we're going to do your story. And we were at the Emmys at that point. Catherine is texting me at another table, and she's saying, oh, my goodness, you wouldn't believe the backstory here. You knew you would be able to catch Chance the Snapper because you have a very special, as you call it, tool in your toolbox that nobody else knew about. Yeah, well, when you're dealing with a wild animal, nothing's 100%. But I felt very confident because of that extra tool, yes. You know how to call the gators. I speak crocodilian, yes. All right, let's play a clip of the little crocodilians that we met with you, and we'll talk about your conversations with them. All right. And you can imitate that sound. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, pretty pretty well. Let's hear you. See if I can pull this off on the spot and all. It's kind of stressful. 
spot on. All right. Did our listeners hear any difference between the baby croc and you? So this is all serious scientific vocalization research at St. Augustine. Tell us a little bit about the project. So most of these animals, there's now 25 recognized species of crocodilians around the world. Uh, 15% of those are in critical uh, endangerment. They're on the verge of going extinct. And to give these animals a voice, uh, we decided to go record these vocals not to mention the fact that most of these have never been recorded. So we're putting these things uh, on tape and analyzing everything we can about each of their sounds. They all have different sounds and different reasons for making each sound. Uh, they're all so different. They actually have different dialects, depending on where they're from, uh, if they're in captivity, if they're in the wild. They're, they're brilliant animals. People don't give them credit. They say, well, their brain's the size of a walnut, but... You know, they're not doing their own taxes. They're not doing their kids' calculus homework. They're surviving, and there's nothing better at it in the entire planet than what they are. So by doing this research, we're hoping to provide the database for future people to be able to dig into whatever they want to. So for people who are listening, I want you to visualize this. There's a microphone that Frank is holding, and there is a tiny little wee baby alligator that you are talking to and more importantly listening to no doubt yeah you some it's the the weirdest thing sometimes that set them off and make them talk back to you sometimes a quick vocal to them will make them talk back to you sometimes a gentle rub or a caress or a touch will make them speak sometimes seeing another alligator will make them talk but again it's uh i think the day we were there we worked with uh the american alligator the dwarf caiman the siamese crocodile and uh maybe a nile but they all, if you notice, they all sound so much different. Uh, alligators, actually, a lot like us, they actually have something that's designed just for their speaking. Um, just like we have vocal cords, they have a muscle that's actually just for their vocalization. It's, it's pretty neat. There's some cool science behind that, too. And when you're standing there with the microphone, it is with the tiny ones. But you do get up close and personal with the big gators. And this was something that started with your family and your Uncle Bill, who we had a chance to meet while we were in Florida, the original Gator Bill. And we asked him about taking you out when you were just a teenager to catch alligators. He just seems to have that conservation ethic. He always has. He started working with me when he was in high school. And I mean, he is just extraordinary. I felt a sense of responsibility, but at the same time, Frank had to hold his own, too. Hold your own as a teenager with 10-foot alligators going out catching them with your uncle? It's what you get used to. You know, uh, there's some people that run into burning buildings, and there's some people who decide to catch alligators. So it's, uh, we each have our gifts, we each have our calling, and it's been my calling all along. What strikes me about you, Frank, is that as we've gotten to know you over the last couple of weeks, you're the most humble, kind, gentle soul, and you work with one of the strongest animals in the animal kingdom. And that, the juxtaposition of that just blows us away. It's an animal that you're not going to match strength with. Uh, in a lot of cases, you can't match wit with them either. You can just hope you're, uh, hope you're having a great day and they're having a little bit of an off day. And you do really call them. I mean, Catherine and I were in awe. We go at St. Augustine, out where all the big guys are, and we say, Frank, call the alligators. 
And it was like the Pied Piper. I mean, they all came running or swimming to you. You got to think about when you go out to a pond, say you're out on a lake that's a two or three acre lake, and there's a gator somewhere in that pond. It's covered in lily pads or cattails or whatever it might be. The extra benefit it is to be able to go out there and have them come see you instead of having to search all day trying to figure out where he's at. Um, it, it, it's a big difference whenever you can have a quick conversation and they can raise their hand and go, hey, by the way, I'm over here. Uh, if you want to come talk to me about it, uh, this is where you find me at. And it makes a huge difference. And that's what you did in Humble Park with Chance the Snapper. Yeah, without that tool, it would have never came together. Do you use that tool when you're out in Florida doing your day job technically, which is you get a call from the state. They have received a warning that there's an alligator in the street, in someone's yard. Do you use that technique in the, in the same way? When they're in people's ponds and things of that nature, I do. Whenever they're usually on somebody's porch or under their car, and no, I don't. Uh, if it's in a pond that I'm having trouble seeing where he's at, yes, I'll call him out, and that's how I'll catch him. Uh, on land, it's not usually a good idea to, to give them a heads up what you're up to. If you kind of go up there and give them an idea of what you're up to, you're, you're up the creek pretty quick. So I want to take this one step further. You call these alligators, they come to you, and you have taken that to a whole new level that may change the course of health for people in terms of the biomedical research. On NASA property, you're calling the gators there and working with other scientists, capturing these gators, letting them go in the end, but learning so much from them. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that project is, that's Russell Lauer's project down there on the Kennedy Space Center. Russ is a good friend of mine. I randomly met him maybe 10 years ago now. I'd caught a big gator in a parking lot, and it had a, had a zip tie in it. And I'm going to myself, what in the world? Who, like, who has the nerve besides myself or Bill to put a zip tie in a gator this big? There's me and Bill. I know nobody else that could pull this off. So, you know, I started making phone calls, randomly met Russ, uh, found out it was one that had a satellite transmitter on it, and I found out about his research and what he was doing. And I said immediately, I'm like, how do I help? What do you want me to do? How do I go about doing it? Um, let me help you however I possibly can. And we quickly became, when you're trusting somebody with your life in, the, in those experiences, you quickly, uh, you, you learn you learn their family, you know, because you're putting everything right there. One false move and you're ruined forever. I mean, even with a little guy the size of chance, you make a wrong move and it's, going to be a very bad day it's going to be a at least a few medical bills and a few new fingers you know so you make sure everything goes right the research russ is doing is top of the food chain stuff it's uh the american alligators and apex predator they eat everything in the environment so when there are things wrong in the environment their endocrine system being the direct match for ours they're they're a sentinel species to our human health so when things are going wrong with them it's going to be going wrong with us quickly thereafter and they, we test them for heavy metals and every possible other thing you can think of. And potentially they could raise a red flag for what might be hazards for humans in that area where you're working. Oh, 100% they do. Um, some of the research that uh, Russ has published, it, I mean, it, it tells you that flat out. Uh, they'll tell you levels that are high in uh, PFOBs or PFOs or PFAs or heavy metals or whatever might be going on in that environment. They're the first people to let you know. You start seeing sick alligators, you know something's wrong. And they, you know, despite their amazing immune system, they do get sick. 
let's talk about their immune system because they are, in essence, impervious to many bacteria. And because of that, we could be able to study their blood and come up with ways to help us fight bacteria, maybe a new class of antibiotics. No doubt. Uh, it's All that's there. Uh, one of the leading guys in that right now is Mark Merchant and uh, John Wise, of course, too. But those two guys, they're, they're taking samples, uh, some of the samples that we use and some of their own samples, and they're, they're, they're breaking edge. You know, they're cutting edge on that right now. They're working on how to make all that work. Science still can't ex- explain the clotting factor of a crocodilian, so that's one of the biggest holdups, and their red blood cell and our red blood cell has some pretty big differences, one being having a nucleus and one not. So working those things out between a, you know, a, a non-cold-blooded animal and a cold-blooded animal are two big stepping stones. But when you talk about the clotting factor, we were talking when we were out in the field, by the way, trusting you with our lives, Catherine, myself, Steve Schur, our photographer, we went out gator hunting essentially with you guys as you took the blood samples. And I was in awe of how they had the gloves on. I mean, it's like you are dealing with a patient. Oh, 100% it is. Yeah, you, When you're dealing anything science-wise, you want it all to be handled the same way every single time, done the same way every single time, with that animal's well-being and your well-being uh, first and foremost. And you have to put that blood rapidly into the vials because it starts clotting so quickly. Yeah, I believe the vials he's using now are lithium heparin, and that makes that clotting factor stop for a while, and they immediately go on ice. Otherwise, I mean, if you were to take a cup of gator blood and pour it out, it'll be jelly within 15, 20 seconds. And likewise, when they are injured, if they get into a fight with another gator, they don't bleed to death. They heal. That's one of the, the huge, a huge thing they have going for them. They can lose a limb. They can lose their tail. They can lose, uh, have a giant hole in their back and their lungs be hanging out, and they can still find a way to heal that wound. It, their healing properties are unlike anything else. And the blood samples that are collected that are going out all over the world now, there are scientists who are studying that clotting factor for, let's say, men and women on the battlefield to stop them from bleeding out, people who've been in an accident. There are so many questions to be answered from crocodilians that I don't think we even completely understand yet. There's just now people, you know, over the past maybe 30, 35 years that are starting to work with these animals. There, it's, a, it's something that is new. Everybody's answer was always just kill them. You know, there's, they're like roaches. There's nothing to worry about. There's nothing you can gain from that. And now it's being more accepted how much knowledge is there, how much you can glean from, from an alligator. Is, it's amazing. And one of the things that we may glean is a potential treatment or cure for cancer because they rarely get cancer. That is something that I think everyone who's listening, probably everyone in this room, their lives have been touched by cancer in some way, whether it was themselves or whether it was a family member. This could be huge. Like I was saying, there's so many questions to be answered. Uh, if there was, if they could write their own book, you know, what I mean, if the alligator could take a pen and write you everything that he has going on in his life and tell you how it all works, life would be a lot simpler. But we have to figure that all out on our own. And that's really your mission, really, is to shed light on this little known fact that the alligator can yield so much, and it's really become your personal mission in life. No doubt, uh, they don't have a voice. We have to have a voice for them. Um, 
I try to do that every possible way I can. You know, we do educational programs. We do everything we can to, to bring more awareness to what's going on with them. So now being the star gator catcher in Chicago, Chance has given you a chance to highlight the work that you do, the research that you do, the potential of alligators, the importance of them, of crocodilians. This was the perfect story at the perfect time. You don't hear a lot of good stories of, about uh, alligators or crocodilians in general. It's always what they did, what terrible thing they did or what happened or somebody losing their pet or somebody getting bit or the rare circumstances where somebody there's a, there's a fatal uh, incident. But there's beyond measure so much greatness to be found in these animals that we just we have to find a way to look past that and see the good. You know, I, the city of Chicago did that with this story. You know, I couldn't ask anything else that, you know, take an extra couple minutes and find out more about these guys. They, they're where it's at. So now for people who are listening, they're like, he's a really serious guy. But when you saw Chance, who is at St. Augustine, you handpicked a great place for him to spend out the rest of his days. And you got a little teary when you saw him there. Oh, we have a bond. Uh, <laughs> the adventures me and him have been on together, you know, he and I, excuse me, we use proper English. But um, yeah, it's... It makes me so happy to see him doing so good because in Florida, in a similar circumstance, that would have not turned out the same way. That would have been a, that would not have been a good story. That would have not turned out well for him. The, the way it worked out, perfect place, perfect timing. It, it's ideal. And you said he's going to get to be a big boy. Oh, he'll be bulking up. Yeah, he'll always have that bent nose, that characteristic about him. He'll always have that happy smile. But he's going to be a boss. You give him, you know, three, four, five years and. People won't won't believe he made it that big. I was telling them in St. Augustine they should they need to keep a, a running dialogue, maybe somewhere on the wall where he's at, of how big he's getting. I know he's grown four inches since he's been there. I mean, think about that. It's been six months and he's grown four inches. Multiply that out. It's gonna go pretty it's gonna go pretty quick. It was so quick. fun to see the people coming in and you, there's a Chicago Tribune article out front of his enclosure and people looking going, oh my gosh, that's the gator from Chicago. And then people seeing you who were from Chicago, who happened to be in St. Augustine, can I get my picture with you? It's unbelievable. The whole thing is I still can't wrap my mind around it. Uh, as Catherine saw a minute ago, it, the whole story is, it, it's emotional. It makes me cry. It's, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. You can be a strong person and still shed some tears. You know, I'm not one of those guys that have to hide that kind of stuff. It's uh, very, very emotional in a good way. What's a typical day for you uh, <laughs> on the job in Florida? You told us some stories when we were there, and I think people would be interested to know about your day job. Uh, every day's a little bit different. You know, it's 24-7, 365. Uh, it might be 2 in the morning. might get a phone call that there's a gator walking through a building and on the NASA Kennedy Space Center. And, you know, you get up, you go out there, and you catch him. Or it might be a gator that's uh, <laughs> on somebody's front porch at 4 in the morning. So, you know, there's some days where one call turns into a second call, turns into a fourth and a fifth call, turns into, you know, a six or seven alligator day, and you're exhausted, and you make it back at the house and decide you want to lay down, and then it all starts up again. And in the springtime, Oh, yeah, we jokingly call it zombie mode. You go into alligator zombie mode because, you know, you get those calls. So you make you take one call. You might be there, 
you know, it could be anywhere from five minutes to three or four hours, depending on how it works out. And as soon as you get done, you know, you're putting – while you're there, chances are you're given everything you've got while you're there. You're given 110% to make it work. And it's a very physical job, and you, you give it all you got, and then you take a break, and then if you have another call, you go on that call while you're at it. So it's, it's just a roller coaster. And sometimes you are a little worse for the wear. You told a story about Gator Bill getting pulled into the water trying to pull a gator out. Good Lord, it's probably happened to all of us. Uh, some, he had a, a real malfunction one time, yeah, and took off like Superman across the, uh, across the river. It was kind of crazy. I was very worried about him. We've both done it. You know, it's just one that sometimes you can have everything right and keep real, care, real good care of your equipment and then the littlest thing go wrong and... I mean, I almost lost a finger to the fishing line one time. We used 200-pound test, and it's a braided line. And if you do, you make one wrong step or pull on that one wrong way, and uh, that's uh, that's a forever mistake. You told a funny story about uh, an unusual place you captured a gator in Florida. I think it was a hotel. Yes, indeed. I think it was the hotel you guys were staying at. Um, <laughs> ironically, yeah, there was a gator that there were there. Their doors in the front of the hotel were broken, their auto doors. They were stuck open, and this gator walked in, walked down the, the hobby, wa- uh, hobby walkway there, t- took a corner and walked into the elevator. And they said they, you know, they didn't know what was going on. They started hearing people about breakfast time yelling, you know, and said that, people, that he was going up on the elevator. Doors were open. People were screaming. He was going to the next floor. Doors would, doors would open. People would scream. It was pretty comical stuff. I think it's funny. They didn't think it was so funny. I bet. You need a cape and some theme music when you come walking in. It's like, you're going to save us from the gator. But really, you say people don't need saving. I was struck when you looked at them and you're like, look how cute their smiles are. They're always <laughs> smiling. I never thought of that. And when I looked, they really are. Oh, yeah. Natural smile. Some other species are just kind of have that glare, but alligators are always smiling. And uh, to answer your question, there's every time you think you've seen it all, you see something new. Like, I mean, I've, if I told you the awkward places I've taken alligators, out of the bottom of missile silos, underneath the launch pads, uh, in in bathrooms, in garages, in houses, uh, it every time you think you've seen everything, you're like, Haha, yeah, there's nothing else I can't see besides that. You'll see something will just throw you, throw you a curveball. And then the interesting people you meet along the way, too, that have their crazy stories are pretty good. You mentioned... That, you know, here it is, snowy, cold weather. By the way, you've not seen snow fly before. Indeed. Yeah, I'm excited. So you're going to see a storm, a little bit of a storm tonight. Um, you, you did mention, though, that perhaps Chance could have survived a Chicago winter. Yeah, it's if he could have found the open culvert there on the, what so, would have been the east side of the lake, kind of the southeast corner. There was an open grate that had kind of rusted out. If he could have found that spot, which people said he did frequent that area, uh, yeah, he could have. He could have probably made it. But they don't like the cold, right? Isn't that one of the ways that you yeah, were able to know where he might be hiding out from the wind? Yeah, that's. They don't like water in their nose, so they like to be in calm spots. Uh, traditionally, if you go to a pond, they'll be on the side away from the wind. They'll be the, in the calm area or an area that has a lot of cover, which is that would happen to be both that night. There was a north wind. That was on the north side of the pond, and it was in the middle of a bunch of lily pads. So he had all that going for him. And that drew you kind of a roadmap to where he might be so that you could use the calls to get him. Yeah, I, we knew where to look. And 
that's something interesting too. We weren't just walking that little that I say little. We weren't just walking that area there. We were walking every water body in that entire square because ain't no telling. He had walked out of there at some point the previous day when I was there. You know, we were because I was kind of looking around that day actually. As I was there walking around learning the place, I realized that he had walked out. Remember showing Officer Drake? I'm like, look at that. He walked out, walked to that soccer field. Let's go over to that soccer field and see if he's over there. And somebody had told, they had heard the previous day that he somebody had seen him over there, but they thought it was maybe just a, a bogus somebody talking. But he was actually in that pond. And that's not just looking for footprints, but you look for the tail drag, that sort of distinctive mark that says there's been a gator here. For sure. Every animal leaves different tracks and different uh, footprints along with it. And I can track pretty much anything. So, yeah, I was able to just kind of gleam where something had walked through an area. And I was like, well, is that a, either a turtle or a gator? What's going on here? And then I saw a footprint and then started seeing tail drags along with it. And you know, their feet are very unique. They have five fingers on the front hands with three claws and then four fingers in their back hand with three claws. And if you can figure out which way you're looking and which way they're pointing, and you can you can figure it out pretty quick. I also want to talk about the details when you just went in that water and picked Chance up. <laughs> you know, I've learned through life, if you want something bad enough, you can work it out. You know, it uh, doesn't matter if it's a 10 or 11 foot alligator or, you know, you want to get that degree or do something for your family or do something good for somebody you love. If you want to work it out, you will find a way to work it out. And yeah, I wasn't going to let that one slip by. So he grabbed his hands Held hands a little bit, grabbed his tail between your legs. What? <laughs> yeah, while while Drake was going, what in the world is wrong with you? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, hey, you want to make it happen, you make it happen. And you did. Because you're, you're not going to outpower one, even his size. you got to really have your stuff together. Have it have it thought out in your head or just kind of wing it a little bit and hope for the best. And there's a little bit of both. <laughs> How many trips back to Chicago have you made since that, since last summer? This is... Uh, Trip eight since July. You get recognized, don't you, when you're walking down the street in the city? Yeah, yeah, people know who I am. Yeah, Uber drivers are pretty hilarious. One Uber driver kind of kidnapped me. She uh, she goes, hey, by the way, we're going to go have coffee. There's an older lady. I said, we are. She goes, yeah, we're going to go have coffee. I said, I kind of got somewhere I need to be. Uh, she goes, yeah, but you got a minute. You got a minute to go grab coffee with me. I was like, yeah, you're right. I got time to go grab coffee with you. Let's go grab coffee. So we sat and talked for 15 minutes and then went on. She drove me to where I was going. Stop in the middle of the ride, not at the end of the ride. But. Probably something you didn't expect last summer when you ca- came here, captured Chance, flew back to Florida. Did you realize uh, the impression you had left? No, I had had no idea. Like everybody, I figured this thing would be, if it was going to be a story at all, it'd be a quick story and be done. And it's the blessings behind it have just continued to overwhelm me. It's beyond my comprehension, and um, I couldn't be happier, really, for, for him and for me and just everybody involved. The blessings keep getting pushed around. You know, that's the way it's supposed to be. been coming back here and doing animal animal events and just trying to, to share all of it because it, there's no other way to be about it. There's it's so much more than me, this whole thing. Uh, when the Lord puts you on a path, uh, you just got to go along with it. So if there's one thing that you wanted to tell people now that you have the ability to give the gators a voice, what would it be? They're a very misunderstood animal. Take an extra couple seconds. Think about what this animal means to your local environment, about it being a keystone species, 
uh, about what it can mean to human health in the long run, how important they're, they're gems. These, are, these animals are floating gold, and what they can provide for you is uh, beyond, beyond our recognition right now. Well, I love the work that you're doing. I thank you so much for taking us on this journey of education, but also gator hunting. And we've got all of that video. You can see Frank Robb in action by logging on to WGNTV.com, where we have some incredible video. And don't forget to subscribe to the Bear Facts on Health podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Dina Bear. Until next week. Take care of your body and be well. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Catherine.